let's go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 8 to 11. I've been preaching around the thought in my lifetime. In my lifetime. What do you want to see in your lifetime? Yeah. How old are you? For everyone, they have a different answer in this place. But some of us don't have that much time left on planet Earth. And the Bible talks about that we're to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. So often time can just go by and we don't really count the days and count the significance of the days. And I don't know about you, but I want to see God do something amazing in my lifetime. I already believe I'm part of a miracle, a miracle in motion, but uh, I really believe this is just a drop in the ocean in, in terms of what God wants to do and what God wants to release. How many believe that? And uh, if we're to see something significant in our lifetime, it means that we're going to face some problems. We're going to face some difficulties. Uh, I love the fact that God doesn't call us into a place of comfort. His call always brings a level of pressure. And His call always brings us into a place where there's problems. In fact... When you're called of God, I believe we're called to solve problems because we carry an answer that lives on the inside of us. And what we so often don't recognize about problems is that there's a seed within a problem of breakthrough. If we look at that problem correctly, we discover that there's a seed that will take us to another level. How many have got some pressure right now in their life? Any, anybody got any pressure in their life? If you haven't, my prayer is by the end of the sermon, you'll discover some pressure. Because I, I really believe it's under pressure, our faith life, as James says, gets forced into the open. Some of you, you're just too private about your faith. But God allows trials to cause our faith life to be public. To come out into the open that we might display God's power and God's goodness in our life. And uh, I really believe through that, it's in that we discover what God can do. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. This is Paul. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters. We don't want you to be ignorant. So he's about to inform them on an important matter. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. How many have been in a place where you go, man, I can't handle this any longer? Uh, the pressure's too much. Any honest people in church this morning? Come on, if you've been in that place, just give me a wave so I know I'm preaching to the right people. Here Paul is saying, I was under great pressure, and it was said it was far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us again. On Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us. 
as you helped us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us, <laughs> granted us an answer to the prayers of many. Well, well, the title of my message today is, what do you say to yourself when it hits the fan? And just quickly ask the person next to you, what do you say when it hits the fan? What do you say to yourself when it hits the fan? What do you say? What do you preach to yourself? What do you say to yourself? How many know it's so often not what other people are saying that matters? But it's what you say to yourself often. That's the thing that matters. I've found, I've discovered in life that there's a preacher on the inside of all of us. I get to preach once a week, maybe twice, sometimes three times, sometimes a few more. But I've found that there's a preacher living on the inside of each and every one of us 24-7. Yes, you have a preacher even in your sleep. How many know dreams can preach? You know, even when it's about food, those dreams preach. Today, we're going to test whether those preachers on the inside of ourselves are worth listening to. Because when you're under pressure, you need a preacher who's got some good theology. You need a preacher who's not going to preach heresy. You need a preacher who knows the Bible. Come on, I don't want to just preach good ideas this morning. You know, how, how many want to hear some words that are going to change your life? Uh, the Bible is the only book that has the power to change your life. Uh, and what's your theology like? What do you preach to yourself when you're under pressure? When the pressure is on, as T.D. Jake says, our greatest enemy is our inner me. It's not what's on the outside of us, it's what's going on on the inside. We, we learned that in the series, Inside Out. And pressure, you know, in today's world, is used to de describe a whole lot of different situations. You know, so many people today are just under constant pressure, whether it be relational pressure. How many know what it is to have relational pressure? You know, it's like somebody can say one thing, and because that you love them and you're for them, you got, you're going... You're thinking at night, you know, about the words that they've spoken. A small phrase can keep you up, and, and there's relational pressure in your life. How many know what it is to be under financial pressure? Anybody here? Three people know what it is to be, you know, financial pressure. You know, some of us are under financial pressure right now. Some of us have work pressure, physical pressure. Some of us have spiritual pressure. Some of us have high blood pressure. Some of us choke under pressure. I pray Team New Zealand is not going to repeat the past. But we're going to handle the pressure. I'm praying that Team New Zealand is going to be better this time under pressure. How many can join in agreement with me for that? We need a nation united right now. I don't feel like there was unity in that. Come on, how many can agree that God's... Amen, amen, amen. Uh, under pressure, something simple can, can be difficult. 
Uh, it's amazing how under, under pressure you can miss a small putt. They say in golf that you drive for show and you putt for dough. Now, putting is where you win or lose the game. And it's amazing when a championship's on the line, how you can miss a small putt that you'll normally get every time. And in sport, they often use this phrase, clutch. Now, now clutch is somebody in sport who can perform under pressure, like the All Blacks. Amen. You know, it's, it's a moment in the game where somebody steps up to the plate. It's a moment where, which is critical and determines whether you win or you lose. Like last night, that scrum, you know, where we got the try from, that, that was a critical moment. Sorry if you're not interested in sport, but you're just going to have to flow with this analogy right now. But, but really what it is, is being able to perform under extreme pressure. Now, that's what a clutch player is. It's a little bit like the clutch in our car. Now, my daughter, she's 16, she just got her learner's license. And I'm thanking God for that because soon I'm not going to be a taxi driver. Uh, but I'm teaching her to drive. I haven't yet taught her in a manual. We've gone out twice in an automatic, but I'm going to have to teach her in a manual. And one of the hardest things of driving a manual is, is the clutch. Is being able to navigate yourself around that clutch. If you let it out too early, you're going to stall, bunny hop. Come on, how many have ever bunny hopped across an intersection before? It's it's like, oh, it stopped. Even last night, I just took her for a wee drive. I said, just go easy on that brake. Because we're coming up to lights and boom. It's like whiplash right there. But, but, you know, it's like being able to operate this clutch, you know, getting the timing right. You know, what you do when you put in the clutch is you change gears. I really believe right now God's looking for some clutch Christians. Because I really believe God wants to take us to another gear. And it's going to happen as we navigate our way through pressure. Uh, what do you tell yourself when it hits the fan? Uh, what do you say to yourself? How many here would say they excel under pressure? Is there any people here who say, yeah, I excel under pressure? Uh, are there any people here who would say, yeah, I find it quite hard. Actually, I choke under pressure. Any chokers in the room? Uh, uh, yeah, nobody's admitting to that. There's just too much pressure on their statements. In fact, 90% of the room didn't lift their hand for either one. So, oh, that's just too hard to decide right now. Uh, I've got to say, I feel qualified to preach on the subject because how many know this is a pressure cooker environment right here? Right here, right now. Uh, There's a few nerves involved when it comes to preaching. People say, oh, do you still get nervous? I like what one guy said who had been preaching a long time. He said, yeah, I still get butterflies, but now the butterflies fly in formation. (laughs) So once they're all over the place and I couldn't navigate my thoughts, you know, you still feel it, but you learn to control what's going on on the inside. You know, there's sometimes before I get up, I'm thinking, can we just do an extra worship song? (laughs) It's like, I just need some time to navigate here. You know, sometimes you may see me cough, but that's really me throwing up in my mouth. (laughs) 
you know, because I'm nervous about what's going to go on. You know, you guys can be freaky to speak to. Yeah, it's like this is not an easy deal. There's a certain amount of pressure with this. And I like Paul because Paul gives us an inside story of what he felt. Paul faced pressure, huge pressure. He said, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about what we went through to do what God has called us to do. We were under great pressure. How many know there's a certain amount of pressure leading up to shout? We've hired the Spark Arena. Yeah, I have thoughts that enter my mind every now and then. What if it's just me and a few others? What are we going to do? You know, there's pressure around that. It's real. And Paul, as one of the greatest leaders on the planet, said, hey, I can tell you I'm under pressure. I'm glad he told us. Because otherwise, some of us might think we're abnormal. When you're struggling with pressure. I'm glad he told us that the pressure was so bad, he didn't know if he could make it, make it, make it out of it. He didn't know if he could take it anymore. You know, many people say, you know, as a leader, you should never let people see you sweat. But Paul, who was one of the greatest leaders, said, I'm going to cut myself open so you can watch me bleed. I, I'm not afraid to tell you that there's pressure here. Pressure. I, I'm not afraid to tell you so often we want to be the duck, just looking calm and easy on top of the water. You know, we don't want people to see that our, our feet are going 100 miles an hour underneath. Man, I've got this. But really, on the inside, you're freaking out. God, some of you know it. But some people, there's, there's pressure to get dinner made. There's pressure to put food on the table. There's pressure to live up to expectations. For some of you right now, you've got pressures at work to meet deadlines. Others, you've got pressure to conform. Some people in this place, there's huge pressure to remain pure. Your friends are telling you something. Say, come on. And there's a pressure there. There's a pressure to be perfect. Come on, can you feel the pressure in this room? Today, we could compare pressure to see who's under the most pressure. We could talk about where it came from. But I want to today, today talk about what you do when it hits the fan. Come on, oh, we need some clutch Christians at Equippers who step up in that moment. See, I, I want to say, whatever pressure you're under right now, you can handle it. Come on, just say, I can handle it. For some, that's just a great relief right there, just knowing you can handle it. Uh, many of you heard the story. When I was sick and I was having a bad attitude about it, I felt the Holy Spirit come to me and say, Hey, Sam, I'll never allow you to be pushed past your limits. That's what Paul says in Corinthians, in the message version. He says, I'll always provide a way of escape. And I felt God say to me, Sam, if you've got a bad attitude, it's because you've chosen it. 
It's not because of your outside world. And so any pressure I'm under right now, the first thing I preach to myself is, I can handle this. I can handle it. See, the, the greatest pressure we ever face that, that, that opposes God's purpose is, is an internal pressure. And you've got to understand there's two games going on in any game. There's the outer game and there's the inner game. But to master the outer game is to learn, that, that's to learn to how to swing a, a racket, a bat, it's how to pass a ball. That, the outer game is what people see, it's what's admired or disdained or in some places even ignored. But there's a more important game that goes on in life, and, and it's the inner game. It's in the mind of a player. It's the game against nervousness. It's the game against doubts. It's the game against self-condemnation. It's the game against all these things. Just the pressure even to do it one more time. Now, see, more important than the current score, yes, it is 4-1, or the crowd, or the umpire, the most important thing is, what are you telling yourself? What do you preach to yourself about? See, the greatest message I'll ever preach are the ones I preach to myself. See, we need to learn to preach to ourselves under pressure. Uh, Right now, what I'm doing is I'm ordaining you this morning. Come on, I want to ordain you today as preachers. And maybe only to yourself. But but I want to commission you as a preacher. Come on, how many want to be commissioned as a preacher of the Word of God? We need to preach to ourselves. Here's three things that I believe we need to preach to ourselves. Number one, I've been here before. I've been here before. I like Paul. He says, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. Come on, somebody say, he will do it again. He's done it before, and he'll do it again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Now, first of all, he tells us that the situation is so severe and is beyond our ability to endure. See, see uh, we think once we've hit our limit, uh, we think that's it. But I want to declare there's always another level. You know, I, 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 watched, I watched Kathy go through childbirth. You know, contractions, everything. How many know contractions are painful? Well, at least I'm told they're painful. Very painful. And, it, and it's like, wow, you know, what a woman goes through giving birth. You know, at the start you're going, that's huge. But then they go through transition and then there's another level. You know, at, at the first part you're going, how are they going to survive? But it's amazing how God... Has, has developed within a woman the capacity to go to another level. Come on, women know this too well. Men may not. You know, but it's like that. So often we hit our limit and think, I can't take any more. But we don't understand that there's a, something more inside of us. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to go through a whole lot of pain and not get anything out of it. Yeah, you know, if I'm going to be sowing in tears, I want to reap in joy. Come on, how many are with me there? 
you know, I like the Bible because sometimes sowing requires a lot of tears. Sometimes sowing, there's a whole lot of pressure. But you've got to sow in tears for you to reap in joy. I, I don't want to go through labor and not have a baby. Yeah, and Isaiah, in fact, Isaiah 26, it says, you know, there's a woman, in, it paints this metaphor, it says, as a woman with child is in pain and cries out in her pangs, when she draws near to her time of delivery, so we have been in your sight. We have been with child, we have been in pain, but as it were, we brought forth wind. Now, in other words, you went through all that pain, and all that suffering, but when it came down to it, there was no baby, it was only wind. It's in the Bible, you can check it out. Some of you are going, man, that's it. It's there. But I reckon there's a lot of people, because they don't put their trust in Jesus, they look to other things, they go through pain, they go through pressure, but they've got nothing at the other end to show for it. See, Paul says, well, we're under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. He says, so we despaired of almost life itself. Indeed, we have felt, we, we, we'd experienced the sentence of death. Uh, the word used here for despair is the total unavailability of an exit from an oppressive circumstance. That's what despair means. The total unavailability of an, ex of an exit from an oppressive circumstance. Paul was saying, what was he saying here? He's saying, I don't see a way out of this. How I many know that's pressure? Yeah, yeah. Well, when you're sick and the doctors can't even describe what's going on in your body. That's pressure. When, when you've been to 10 job interviews. And you haven't heard back from one. That's pressure. Uh, when you need to wear a suit. And you've got no money to go out and buy a new one. And so you try and fit into one that you wore 10 years ago. That's pressure. The buttons are feeling that pressure. Yeah, uh, Paul, I, I like Paul. Because he reminds himself of what he's been through before. And that God got him through. And, and if God did it then, come on, if God did it back then, if God did it then, He, he can do it now. You know, too many people under pressure are looking to be convinced. They're looking to be convinced. Perhaps we need to be reminded. Uh, Paul reminded himself that God made a way where there was no way. See, see, the enemy loves to wipe our memory of all the other stuff that God's done. But God will do it again. Come on, Psalm 92, verse 1 says, It's good to give thanks to the Lord. How do we start this? Giving thanks. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. To declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. Come on, you need to declare his faithfulness over the unfinished business in your life. You need to declare uh, God's faithfulness over the loose ends in your life. Some of you are losing sleep over stuff that God's saying, hey, I've got this under control. 
Uh, when the train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, uh, and it gets dark, don't throw away your ticket and jump off. Come on, you've got to trust the conductor. You've got to trust the, the, the train driver that he knows what he's doing. You know, I, I love David. Under pressure, he said, God deliver me from the lion and the bear. And God will do it with Goliath. What did he look back on? He looked back on what God did over here. And that gave him the courage to face the pressure over here. How many know different situation, but same God. You may be in a different situation, but you've got to say, same God. He's the same yesterday. He's the same today and forever. Come on, if you believe that, give him a clap of praise. You've got to remind yourself, God can do it again. The second thing you need to tell yourself is, I am not that important. And you're not that important either. Welcome to Equippers. You're not that important. Yeah, it's like sometimes we think the world will stop spinning if we didn't show up to work. But we find out soon that it does keep going. What does stop is maybe the pay into our bank account. But, but the world doesn't stop spinning. It, it keeps moving. And to take the pressure off, we need to sometimes tell ourselves, we're not that important. I like Paul, he says, Indeed, we felt we'd received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. Sometimes I reckon God will allow enough pressure to be put on you that you'll give back to Him what belonged to Him in the first place. Some of you think you got yourself to where you are today. No, God brought you to where you are. If anything good things going on in your life, as I said last week, is because of God. And to think you did that and you got yourself there is to buy into a lie. It's to buy into an illusion. No, God did it. God brought it about. And sometimes we need to take the pressure off ourselves and say, hey, God will do it with me. But hey, he will also do it without me. I like playing cards. And and one of the things of playing cards, any good card players out there? A few people. Uh, Think about cards. If if you're good at it, you need to know what to discard. It's not necessarily what cards, the good cards you have in your hand. It's getting rid of the bad cards. And, And it's knowing when to discard them. I want to say, are you carrying something that God's never called you to carry? And the reason you're under pressure is because you're carrying something that God says, hey, I want you to get rid of that. You need to discard that. See, I believe the challenge of the Christian life is knowing what is your responsibility and what is God's responsibility. Uh, Where does my responsibility start? And where does God's responsibility end? I believe that's the challenge of the Christian life. In 2 Corinthians 11, Paul goes on in verse 26, he says, I've been constantly on the move. 
Listen to this. I, I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. So how many know Paul's in danger? <laughs> I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Now, Paul, he's in great danger, but he doesn't consider that huge. He, he highlights at the end, his greatest pressure is not the river. It's not whether he has food or not. His greatest pressure is his concern for the church. Now, how, how many know? Public speaking can be quite freaky. In fact, people say it's the thing feared the most. That and dying. <laughs> now, now, you add public speaking and then speaking for God. How many know? There's even more pressure on top of that. Yeah, many people can be allured by stages like this. Or they can look up at the success of somebody else. But they don't realize what goes on behind. It's like a single person who picks up a kid and goes, Oh, kids are so amazing. That's such a blessing. I want to have 10 kids when I get married. And then they pass the kid back. But how many know, once you've got 10 kids, there's no passing them back? And, and, and it can seem romantic in a moment. Uh, but you don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. See, when I'm under pressure, I have to remind myself, in the middle of it all, I have a choice. I have a choice. You do too. You have a choice. God's not forcing me to do anything. God, God's not forcing me to do this. He, he doesn't want me to do this under duress. See, religion tries to get people to force and force them to do something. And they do it. But there's no joy in their heart. It's like, I have to do this. You know, I have to serve. You know, so they turn up, serve. But all the time they're doing it, they're dragging their heels. They're doing it with gritted teeth. God doesn't want you to serve like that. Psalm 100 says that was to serve the Lord with gladness. Not madness. You know, you're not doing God a favor. I, I think when it comes to church, I get to be part of this. I think when it comes to shouts, man, the body of Christ coming together, lifting up Jesus, man, we get to do this. So many people, oh, three days annually, that's not that much. You've wasted three days of your annual leave before on something far less worthy than shouts. Come on, we, we get to come together for, with nations around the world and hear from God and invest into the call of God in our lives. Come on, we get to do this. You know, I, I love the fact that, that I'm valuable to God. But how many know I'm not necessary? 
sister, hey, uh, if I don't step up, God will do it with or without me. But I get the privilege to partner with the purposes of God. I get to be in on this. So uh, when it comes to being a witness, how many know you and I are called to be a witness? I reckon the greatest witnesses are the people who have experienced the full event. I saw a crash once. Well, I didn't actually see it. I, I just came after the people had crashed and I could make out what happened. But how many know they'll never ring me up to be a witness? Because I wasn't there for the event. I came after the event. I could make out what happened. I could see the skid marks on the road. I could, could make it all out. But I wasn't there, so I'll never be called a witness. Some of the greatest witnesses are the people who have been from the, there from the start. They saw it all take place. And they're there at the end. That's why serving is so powerful because you get an insider's view. You're not just there when it's going well. See, I'm amazed at how many people think filling the Spark Arena is awesome. You know, oh man, wouldn't that be amazing? But then how many people aren't willing to pay the cost to actually be in the venue, taking the time out, and being part of the revival? Come on, I've been saying we are who we are. If we want to see revival in our nation, we're not going to see it when people turn up every now and then. <laughs> Come on, do I get an amen? Come on, we need to be people who are in this. Come on, how many want to see this nation saved? Now, we get to partner with God. God wants to see it. God wants to pour His Spirit out. And He's looking for some people, a church who believe Him, who say, God, use me. You can use anything, Lord. Use me. And people go, oh, I feel used. <laughs> well, that's what you sung. That's what you prayed. Come on, we're part of the greatest body of people on the face of the earth. Oh, they're asking too much. Oh, that's too much. But we sacrifice for many other things. See, we've got, we've got to understand, we're not that important. I, I don't have to do this. Nor do you. I pray you're not under here. You're not here under obligation. I pray you're here because you've got a hunger for God. For God. You've got a desire in your spirit to go higher in God. To do something great for God. Come on, we're not just bypassing time. Say, say to your neighbor, I don't have to do this. Some of you say, well, that's easy for you to say, but I've got to raise my kids. No, you don't. There's p plenty of people in the world who are not raising their kids. You know, when you say I'm supposed to, but I don't have to, I find there you find the power where you can. And, and it's more an attitude. Where, where, where you say I have to, that actually disables me. It paralyzes me. It puts pressure on me. I have to. You don't have to. You're not that important. I'm not that important. Uh, the world will go on without you. How many know our perspective matters? And some people say, man, I've got a bad. I guarantee somebody's got it worse than you. I often think there's somebody around the world who's got less than you've got and they're doing more with less. There's somebody in the world right now 
who's got it worse than you and they've got a better attitude than you. They've got a better perspective than you. And, and sometimes we lose perspective. But I believe we need to get a renewed perspective. And we, we get to do this. We get to be a part of this. Come on, I'm blessed. I'm blessed to be part of this church. Number three, last one is, I need pressure. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need pressure. I need pressure. It's good for me. It's good for me. Do you know if you don't have the right pressure in your tires in the car, you're going to wear those tires out quicker. You're going to use more gas. You just need the right amount of pressure. Right amount of pressure. Some of us, we haven't got enough pressure in our life. And you're using more gas. You need some more pressure. I'm better under pressure. We often think if I didn't have any pressure, you know, if I didn't have this financial pressure, if I didn't have this family drama, you know, if I didn't have all this, I'd, I'd be more effective. But what you've got to understand about pressure is, is pressure creates power. As some things can only be produced by pressure. Uh, notice with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know the story. God didn't deliver them from the fire. He delivered them in the fire. Uh, You've got you to hear this. Because there's a pattern through Scripture. Daniel wasn't delivered from the lion's den. He, he was delivered in the lion's den. I, I really believe God did that because he wanted to show them that they were better under pressure. Yeah, you're better under pressure. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane talked about pressure. He had so much pressure, he was sweating blood. He's going, if there's a way, take this cup from me. But what you've got to understand about Gethsemane, Gethsemane means olive press. And the only way to get the oil is to press the olive. There's, there's a pressing that needs to take place. If you're under pressure today, it's not about what's happening to you. I challenge to say it's what God is wanting to release through you. See, God doesn't want you to escape from your problems. In this world today, the world pro promotes a lot of escapism. In fact, I heard Steve Graham just say this week, He's talking about amusement. And, and amuse means to not think. It take your attention off somewhere else. And he said there's a difference uh, onto something else. Uh, there's a difference between recreation and amusement. A, a lot of people today are emotionally bankrupt because they're looking for amusement rather than recreation. See, 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 amusement is just focusing your attention and forgetting about what's going on over here. But recreation is that whole ability to recreate. And the world today is promoting amusement. And there's a form of escapism and indulgence that is actually not helping us out. See, we're born for purpose. And the problem you're facing, there's a seed of breakthrough in that problem if you'll handle it correctly. A holiday in Fiji is not going to solve some things. 
A holiday over here. Sometimes a, we need a holiday. It's there to recreate. But it should never be an escapism. And, and what we're going to see in life is God wants to recreate us. Now, there's nothing like the energy that comes from solving a problem. How many know what I'm talking about? When you struggled. You know, the victory means a whole lot more when you've struggled. It's more exciting when you know, man, I've been through some stuff, I've worked through some stuff, and we've come out the other side. How many know? Yeah, you, you go, wow, it means a whole lot more. And strength comes from the struggle. Strength comes from the struggle. Some of you are in a struggle right now. You need to say, thank you, God, you're developing strength in me. I reckon some people are asking God to take them out of something that he's put them in. Wow, that didn't go down too well. <laughs> Second Corinthians, just to finish with, 4, 16 to 70. Listen to this. This is Paul. He says, that is why we never give up. Somebody say, never give up. <laughs> That's why we never give up. Through our, though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small. What are they? You need to tell yourself that. Your present, uh, present troubles, they are small. Come on, they are small right now. Some of you have enlarged those problems. But your present troubles, they are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and that will last forever. Come on, can I I'll read that verse again? Because I want you to get this in your spirit. This is Paul, who's under pressure, who wanted to give up. But he says, we don't give up. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory. What do they produce? A glory that vastly outweighs them and that will last forever. What does pressure produce? Pressure produces power. It's a pressure cooker. You might be in the middle of a pressure cooker situation. But the pressure on the outside allows the steam to work on the inside. And that's what gets the job done. The next time life squeezes you, you need to ask the question, what am I telling myself? Where am I choking? Some of you, you've choked before. But I want to declare it's a new day. You're no longer going to choke under pressure. You're not going to go to other areas. You're going to look to God. You're going to stand up in the day where you needed the most. Come on, God's called you. He's anointed you. What do you want to see in your lifetime? The person who said, give your heart to Jesus and all your problems will go away is a liar. In fact, 
When you give your heart to Jesus, you find out you had problems you never knew. And sometimes it brings on a little bit more pressure. But here's the good news. You have a God who's bigger. You have a God who's stronger. And greater is He that is within you than anything that's in the world. In Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe it, put your hands together. What you're facing, what you're facing right now is small to what he's producing in you. Come on, how about just lifting your hands to Jesus? Say, My trust is in you. Oh, what I'm going through, you're in control, you're able. eyes closed and hands lifted. Come on, there's some real pressure in this room. You can hear a message and go, oh, that's all right. In the end, this message has no power unless you get that word in your spirit and you start preaching it to yourself. The greatest preacher this morning is you. Is you. It's you. Some of your self-talk has crippled you for too long. Come on, don't let the enemy rob you for holding you captive to insecurity and fear. Don't let the enemy overwhelm you. Come on, be like the psalmist who says, when my heart is overwhelmed, God, I want you to lead me to a rock that's higher than myself. Some of you right now, you need to preach to yourself and say, Holy Spirit, lead me. Lead my heart to a rock that's higher than myself. A rock where I can see. A rock where I can get perspective. Come on, if you're overwhelmed in this place, and you're under pressure, and your self-talk hasn't been great, you just say, oh, God, I want to make a change today. I want you to lift your hands right across this room. Come on, just right across this room. Right now, lift them high. Come on, high, 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 high. Right now. This is how we